Now breathe in and out. One, two, three, breathe, breathe, breathe. and welcome to another episode of Stoned and Social. This is the internet's number one comedy wellness podcast. It's the podcast where we get stoned and then we get social. I am your host, Nat, and this week we're going to be talking about an interesting topic in light of the recent holiday that's coming up. There was a national survey that found that more than 80% of U.S. veterans support medical cannabis and all the programs that are related to it. And local veterans here in Washington, D.C. have called the drug a lifesaver. I know right now there's about 18 million veterans in the U.S., according to the most recent census, and more than 80% of those are supporting this. And so I thought it would be a good idea to be joined by someone who has some firsthand experience with this and supports this movement for veterans. I've got Tom with me of Storytime with Tom and Mike. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hi, thanks for having me on. Very, very happy to have you on now. I know we're going to be talking about drugs and veterans and things today, but first, I want to know what you're stoned on. Today, I am smoking Tangelope by a company called, I think it's pronounced Sesh. It's S-E-C-H-E. Okay. I looked up that word and apparently it's (laughs) another language. So the only thing I can assume is it's pronounced Sesh, which is a good name. That sounds nice. It's very it, nice. What's it taste like? Uh, a little bit like grapefruit, mm. actually. It's a very nice smoke. Uh, it's nice in a vape. It's nice in a bowl. Um, it's just tastes and smells great. And I'm a big fan of of that. Like that's a huge part for me. Um, you know, after of course the getting the right strain and the right mm-hmm. crumbs, uh, the big thing for me, of course, is what does it taste like? What does it smell like? Because if it's garbage smelling then i'm not going to enjoy it as much it's like super skunky yeah skunk skunk weed is why i avoided weed for so long is one of the reasons that i was just like nah if it smells like that like uh, i don't want to i don't want to smell like that it's like i just didn't enjoy the smell of of weed i thought but then i grew up and i tried good weed and i was like oh this is what good weed smells like and now i love the smell of weed are yeah. you ever like walking anywhere and you get a waft of weed and you're just like mm. it's like a, it's All like the, the smell of a cheeseburger right it just yeah fills you i love it well, i love it you know what it is is that i'm like oh my people are nearby right? <laughs> i need to go find them they're my yes. people <laughs> yes yes i'm always like mm, who's got the weed who is it so i again it's just it always just comes together with people it doesn't matter if you're near or far if i can smell weed we're friends that's kind of mm-hmm. That's kind of the deal. We're friends. I yeah. am not smoking anything today. I'm on our sponsors, Three Chi Edibles. You guys know I'm really into these. Um, right now, I'm on the new Delta 9 Strawberry 10 milligram edibles. And I like these because these are these are a good dosage. I'm big into edibles. Tom, do you do edibles as well? Um, I have in the past done my own edibles. Like mm-hmm. I when I use the drive uh, vape, the dry herb vapor uh what i'll do is i'll just save the the plant material afterwards and once i have an uh you know a significant amount i'll I'll just cook it up right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh i've found mixed results with it i think it's because of the temperature i'm cooking it at it's losing too much of its potency but i have never had a proper edible like oh my a, gosh. a manufactured edible. I have a friend who swears by it. Yes. Uh, he does it every night. Little candy yes. bars, the Wonka bars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, he swears by them. He's like, yeah, this is the only thing that helps me sleep. Pretty much. Yeah. This is the only thing that I do. I like, you know, I vape and I have the tinctures and I do some other things, but edibles just, I don't know if it's the fat kid in me or what, but I love eating my drugs because mm-hmm. 
I'm just super geeky and I like seeing all the new ways that people are putting weed into things. So when I go mm-hmm. to California, I just, I buy all the new things that I haven't seen at all. Um, like pop rocks. I have these, these Delta nine pop rocks that I got from wow. California that I've yet to try. Cause I'm just saving them for a special, <laughs> special occasion. And Delta nine is legal everywhere. Is it not? Mm, yeah. So technically it, it will be legal everywhere. Um, because of how they're using it and doing it by weight and things like that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it'll be legal, legal everywhere. Yeah. So Tom, you're, I'm sorry, go ahead. I I was going to say that's a nice start. I don't think we're all the way there yet, but it's certainly (laughs) a a, a step in the right direction. Yes. Yes. Step in the right direction. That's what I'm hoping for. I wanted you to tell our stoner lights who are listening a little bit about yourself. And I mentioned your podcast story time with Tom and Mike. Tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, what you like to get into. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. <clears throat> Pardon me. I am a uh, creative first and foremost. Uh, I am pretty much every day. I am you know, in an editing bay of either the video aspect of things or the audio aspects of things, uh, just creating, you know, mm-hmm. editing, um, refining my skill set. Uh, I, I do a, a handful of things. So I do story time with Tom and Mike, which is a podcast, I comedy sort of open format podcast that I do with my best friend, Mike, who I've known for about 35 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I, Let's see. I also do a, a podcast that I produce mostly. I am in a couple episodes, but that won't be as prominent until next season. And that's a show called Uncanceled, mm-hmm. in which we take a look at television shows that were canceled after one or two seasons Ooh. and sort of talk about why were they canceled and were they worth watching and would you uncancel this show? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the uh, brainchild of my friend Brandon Marsden. Um so, so I just produce that show, and then I have a gaming channel on YouTube, <laughs> which is <Yes>. just silly. <laughs> no, I I am a person who doesn't have a lot of time to play video games anymore the way I used to. Mm-hmm. So I will often put on a video game to watch someone else play it, so that I can see if it's worth trying to carve out some time to play it. Yeah. Sometimes I just like seeing other people play video games that I know would piss me the hell off. And mm-hmm. so I watch them play it and I can get like mad, but also not as frustrated as I would if it were me playing it and spending my time uh, losing over and over again. Yeah. And there are some really incredibly talented players out there. I'm not one of them. I do like all my videos. Well, if it's Mike and I recording together, it's just banter. But mm-hmm. if it's me <laughs> on my own, I found the best way to do it because what I'll do is I end up getting goofy. If I'm just myself, <laughs> like just singing and being silly and it's like, no one wants to watch that. So uh, <laughs> maybe my wife will watch it, but you know, uh, so I, I, what I do is I do characters. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just like, say I'm playing Skyrim. I'm playing a Khajiit named Jahir. And then, you know, and then there's, there's kill crazy, you know, and they're just different characters that I do for different franchises. And it's just fun. It's mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm making myself laugh as I'm watching them and, I'm crafting these little stories and trying to create a narrative, you know, and I love doing that kind of thing with found footage or, you know, video game footage and stuff like that. I often say that I often say that if I were, if I were given unlimited resources, all I do is produce content just so that (laughs) I have something to edit, you know? Now, is this the actorness coming through? Because I think I read that you also had some experience with acting with the, is this where the voices come from, the characters? For sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always wanted to be a stand-up comic, but I just don't have the nerve to do it. Oh, don't, you know? don't say that. I am a huge, huge comedy nerd. You guys listening know I love comedy. I did my first stand-up comedy a few years ago i did it on my birthday because i was like you guys can you guys are gonna have to sympathy clap me (laughs) because (laughs) it's my birthday but i it was so much fun a lot of my friends are comedians and they've gone on to do netflix specials and i'm laughing at them like oh you you guys are not that funny but (laughs) they are they are that funny and so like don't be too afraid like just do it I, I think I just need to work on some some material, just actually get like a good five minutes of content, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, 
Um, but you know, I do comedy in other ways and, and I entertain and that's what I'm born to do really. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this in a moment with the, me being a veteran, but one of the Mm -hmm. benefits, one of the blessings I would even say in so much as I believe in blessings in life is that I am a hundred percent disabled by way of the VA for my bipolar. Mm -hmm. As a result, I do not have to work. And that gives me a freedom that I've never known before and a sense of happiness because I am so agoraphobic with panic disorder that I cannot be, I don't function well in any public setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I found that being able to just work at my own pace and my own time on my projects has just been like my life, my life quality has dramatically increased in the last oh, nine months that's good that's good to hear yeah we're we're gonna be talking about vets i mean veterans they you know you guys choose to help the defenseless you protect the country you serve a bigger purpose and i think for that reason they develop a strong sense of camaraderie and when you're mm-hmm. suffering from these complex forms of trauma that stem from other aspects of your life i feel um you know, this is often put on the back burner for veterans who come home, which I'm I'm sure people listening have heard this time and time again. Do you mind sharing with us your experience with any challenges and what your experience was like as a veteran? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I went in, it was uh, I went in in 1997 and I I was stationed at uh, Fort Jackson for my basic training. That's in South Carolina. So uh, after that, I went to Fort Meade, Maryland, which is just um, just right near Baltimore, sort Mm -hmm. of uh, a little below Baltimore. Uh, So that was where I I did my advanced individual training or AIT. So that was uh, uh, Signal Corps. So I was Mm -hmm. training as a a television equipment and maintenance uh, and repair uh, program, a 25 Romeo. Uh, And... Right around the time that I started in, in, in AIT, I started noticing that I was just savagely depressed for no reason. And then other mm-hmm. times I'd be so energetic that I couldn't sleep or function in any way. And I was like, what is going on with me? I don't understand. And I went to a doctor uh, on base and, 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 I, and I told them, you know, like, this is I'm just so unhappy. And at that point, I thought the, the solution was to get out of the army. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it, this must be situational. I've never felt this way before. What I didn't realize is that, and it may have been the stress of leaving home. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, but my bipolar tendencies start were starting to manifest. Mm. You know, at the ripe old age of 20, <laughs> I'm suddenly kind of grasping for who I am and what the heck is wrong with my brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was first diagnosed with bipolar, we didn't know that much about it yet. Mm-hmm. It was still kind of, I mean, it's still very much a mystery, but it was much yeah. less understood in those days. And so I was basically told, well, here, we'll put you on Wellbutrin, which is also used oh, as, no. yeah, yeah. <sighs> and then they put me on Paxil, which is no. garbage. Oh, yeah, the well, worst the worst. And I was, I was a mess for years Mm -hmm. and years and years. Even after I got out of the army, I was like, I would go through these manic phases and then these, you know, these phases of serious, deep week long, month long depression, Mm. uh, before I finally found the right doctors and and started taking my health a lot more seriously. But Mm -hmm. in the army, no one understood me. They just thought I was lazy. They thought I was unmotivated. They thought I I didn't care. And the truth was that I cared passionately. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a great soldier. I wanted to I wanted to go airborne. I wanted to be a drill sergeant. But I wasn't able to even do the most basic things. Mm-hmm. Um coupled with the fact that I had a lot of trouble losing weight. Mm-hmm. And I would pass every single physical fitness test that was thrown at me without fail. But my body fat was just over the limit. Oh and that's, goodness. yeah. And that stopped me from getting promotions. It stopped me from getting accommodations. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. up for a couple accommodations I didn't get because I wasn't, I didn't fit their abstract body shape, even though yeah. I was physically fit. And mm-hmm. those things kind of burned me out on the army. Sure, sure. You know, 
So when they gave me the opportunity to get out on a medical release, I took it and mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'll find a career in this private sector and I'll probably be happier. And for mm -hmm. a little while I was, you know, but ultimately I, I, over the years, and I'm 45 now, I have learned that, you know, happiness comes from within, mm -hmm. not from without. Any situation can be positive if you find the positivity in it, you know, find the value in it. But ultimately, um, you know, this isn't an illness. It's a condition. Absolutely. You know. My my mom was diagnosed when I was a teenager with they called it back then manic depression. Right. Now we know that's bipolar disorder. And so I've seen some of the things you just mentioned that she had to go through and continues to go through herself. But it it was very odd to us on the outside seeing someone so, you know, so sad or so melancholy, but not really able to express why that was when everything else seems like it's good. It was hard to try and figure out, you know, what is it that you need? And from most of the veterans in my family, we, we come from a lot of vets. A lot of them have said that it's difficult to define or even explain to civilians what the veteran experience is and that mm -hmm. they they felt like they had they had a purpose while they were there and so a lot of my family members have talked about feeling purposeless and and hopelessness after leaving the military and have had a really hard time with transitioning to civilian life how did you find the transition you said you got out when they offered you to how long did it take you you feel like to feel like you were okay i'm i'm ready to do this or to get out to uh, to be a civilian to like oh, you know to adjust to civilian life i think that my i i was and am resistant enough to indoctrination that i was never fully invested mm, okay <laughs> you know what i mean so when i ended up in the civilian sector all oh, was just another job to me except now i could dress a little more to my mm -hmm. liking and I could, I didn't, the one thing that really was a sticking point with me the entire time I was in the military, the entire time I was in the army was that I couldn't get over the fact that I was quite literally property of the United States government. Mm -hmm. A lot of people mm -hmm. are not aware of that. You sign mm -hmm. over everything. everything. Yep. And you get a sunburn, you can go to, you can get in trouble for that. You can get in mm. trouble for cheating on your spouse, which, you know, it makes sense. But that doesn't happen really mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. public sector. That is very much because, you know, you are doing a disservice not only to your spouse, but you're also doing a disservice to the United States government by presenting this is not what the military represents, mm -hmm. you know, by the book. This is you're supposed to be an exemplar mm -hmm, of morality, mm -hmm. which unfortunately isn't really the case. But I think Larry, Larry Niven, the sci-fi author, once said there's no cause so noble that it does not attract assholes yes yes <laughs> i was gonna say this is more of a personal thing versus yes um yeah it's you're gonna get a mixed bag here with this for sure for sure mm -hmm. you know and and you know it is what it is i hate that term i don't know why i use that term. <laughs> <laughs> i when i say that i'm like that's such an old people term but it, but it, it explains it it sum it sums it up well yeah my my uncle, who is who I talk to the most about being in the uh, in the military, he's pretty open about it. At one point, he was on seventeen different over the counter prescription drugs. He mm. kept telling me, you know, the the about the pills, and we were talking, and I was like, "This sounds like a temporary, like ineffective solution." And he said, "Yeah, I'm just buying time for me to try and sort out my issues, try and feel, you know, figure out why I'm depressed, why." I'll I feel anxious and I know there's going to be people listening who take over the counter drugs. I'm not against that in any way. We love to just try to open the minds of people about cannabinoids. And did you find that you were able to get into cannabis because you had been in the sector trying to look for help? You said you were feeling depressed, I'm sure, and all the things they prescribed you. What made you go towards cannabis? At the beginning, it was just fun. 
you know, I had done it a couple <laughs> of times in college and then I went off to the military and, and, and I was, you know, clean for the entire time I was in. And I've got a good story. So uh, the, the weekend after I got out of the military, a friend of mine who was still in came over to my house. He was like, I'm going to get you high. And he had some really nice stuff. <laughs> and I had not smoked in three or four years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I had been drinking all morning or all day because it was a picnic. And... Um, I hadn't really eaten yet. So I'm already, you know, the, the odds are stacked against me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I, I was sitting in this car in my, in my driveway or in, in the parking lot of my apartment complex. And we smoked this stuff. And, and I had somehow misplaced my Zippo. Um, it fell out of my pocket or whatever. And, <laughs> and, and so I get out of the car and I walk a couple of feet. I'm like, oh, you guys, have you seen my Zippo? <laughs> and then I turn and the next memory I have is being face down on the ground. Oh, my gosh. I had hit my head and split my eyebrow open. Oh, my gosh. And I pick my and they're standing over me like, you know, that. That classic TV trope where it's kind of foggy and tunnel vision and everything's <laughs> echoey. Yes. It was just like that. And I'm laying there and they're like, oh, God, you're not dead, are you? Are you okay? You know, and all that <laughs> stuff. I'll never smoke weed again, I swear. Just don't die. I get up. I get up and my wife comes out, you know, and she's like, oh, my God. Because she's used to me doing dumb shit and hurting myself. <laughs> she's like, all right, let's get him in the house, you know. <laughs> I and 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 my friend is just panicking, and my wife's like, "He's gonna be fine. He's already fine, you know. He's already fine." But he's super paranoid, of course. So you know, he just tweaked the hell out. You know, every bit of paranoia from that weed we had just smoked crept into him and turned into Tom is dying. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, and, and obviously I didn't, but I do remember I didn't want to go to the emergency room because I was waiting uh, yep, for that. Yep, yep. So I sat with my friends and watched Little Nicky with a compress pressed my my eyebrow for two hours. And then I was like, fuck it, we're going to the emergency room. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love the stories when people get too high. I try not to do it. Like, I've only done it a handful of times because it's, it's awful. It's awful. It's yeah. not like... You know, it's not like alcohol where you can make yourself sick and be done mm -hmm. with it. Um, it's just it's it's with you. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it just sticks with you. So I guess when we're talking about cannabis in this way, you know, we're talking about it for mental health and for treating things like anxiety, depression, PTSD. You know, we're still looking into all this. You, I'm assuming, think that using medical marijuana or just marijuana, the benefits outweigh the risk for you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I don't see any risk. Well, that's not entirely true. Uh, uh, there are a couple of downsides. One is the demotivating factor that can occur. Mm. Um, another is that it can induce psychosis. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I really have it under control these days. And I, I really think that if it induces psychosis is because there was a condition pre- you know, there pre present before it was triggered. It was mm -hmm. just a matter of, of being predisposed towards it, I suppose. Um, when I was in my early thirties, <laughs> I was doing a ton of psychedelics and smoking a lot of weed and mm -hmm. I was not properly medicated. And I can say I'm comfortable with admitting that there was a period of time where I was literally psychotic. I believed everything I thought was true and I thought I was like the second coming or something. Mm, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I had to stop self-medicating and start medicating correctly. So I got mm -hmm. off of everything for like from 33 to maybe the age of like 38. Mm -hmm. I was completely clean, not even tobacco. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then I rediscovered it and I found, no, this helps me sleep. It helps with nausea. Mm -hmm. It helps with paranoia. It helps with pain. It helps with uh, just feel. I mean, when I when I use it, 
and I use it constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when I use it, I'm more connected to my pets. I'm more connected to mm-hmm. my friends and family. I'm more compassionate. I'm more understanding. I'm more likely to sit and go, let me think about that before I answer it. Mm-hmm. Instead of making an instant emotional response to something, I'm like, well, I want to think about this for a minute, you know? That, that fits in line with a study that I was reading, a study of veterans with PTSD and said, you know, using cannabis significantly lowered the levels of PTSD symptoms. But I think that's due to the active compounds in cannabis like CBD, um, you know, installed to interact with receptors in the brain that play that important role in the regulation of emotions. I'm not surprised that you know, you report feeling happier and everyone does. I really rarely meet anyone who's stoned who is like mad or mm-hmm. like not in a happy mood. It's not like alcohol. I feel like alcohol plays on your fucking emotions. Like if you oh, yeah. are like, I always say, what's the reason you're drinking? Cause that's going to be exactly the reason you're like at the end of this, I need to know, like, are you drinking? Cause you're sad. Cause that's, that's what it's going to end up being. Um, where I, I don't feel like that with, with cannabis, I feel like it has such a different effect for people. Have you found any particular strains that have helped you the most? Um, what, when you're using them? Um, you know, I, I used to go by strain and I used mm-hmm. to go by THC percentage, which is mm-hmm. really nice now that medicinal marijuana is legal in the night in, in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to go by that and I didn't notice a difference and I'm starting to learn about trichromes mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, so now because I don't know enough about trichromes yet and most of the websites don't let you search by those, I search yeah. by effect. Mm-hmm. I search oh, by okay. effect mm-hmm. and then I narrow it down from there and I read reviews on like Leafly, for example. Yeah. Yeah, you know, or one of those other resources. There's a couple others I can't think of, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to shop around intelligently because I found, you know, I got something that was like a good six or seven percent lower in THC mm-hmm. that was more effective to me than anything I'd bought in like a year. Yeah, it's it, yeah. And it really is. It, it's about how. They've got it down to such a perfection now that it's about dialing down the numbers until you yep. find what works for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm too bad B's not here because B knows all about trichomes. Um, you guys listening know I tried to grow my own weed and was very freaked out by the trichomes, the little appendages that are coming off the surface of the cannabis flower, but that's where (laughs) all your cannabinoids and your terpenes are. So that's, I bet it has to do with some specific trichome or terp that you're, that you're getting. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was going to say, they look like little spores, don't they? Like little mycelia or something. Yeah. Yeah. They look like little aliens like that are (laughs) just growing, growing off of the plant. I have some friends who use, certain strains for um ptsd they've used skunk plus i've heard them talking about white lotus snow leopard um i asked them to send me some other ones but those are the ones they they were mentioning the most i'm not i'm not one of those people who just looks at the thc content and then is like i want the highest thing i'm Mm -hmm. like you i want to know what it tastes like and what the effects are because that's kind of what i'm using it for yeah yeah and I mean, you know, even the effects reports are highly subjective. So ultimately, I want to know the science. And that's just mm-hmm. how I'm geared. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to something. I want to learn it. Yes. Know? Same. Um, same. I am thirsty for knowledge. And I mean, like, at one thing I try to do every day is learn something significantly new. Mm-hmm. Like, watch a documentary on North Korea. Or, uh, you know, about evolution and current mm-hmm. theory or what, whatever, you know, that that fascinates me. And just get these get these, you know, perspectives from other people. And I, I spend a lot of time on Twitter sort of debating things. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. a little that's too all, much. Time. That's all Twitter's for. That's I mean, yeah. I go there to yell out into the ether things about restaurants that have wronged me and they will <laughs> rue the day. And then, yeah, we go, you know, you go there to like argue with people. That's what Twitter is about. I like, I really like seeing intelligent arguments on Twitter. Yes. And I have made some 
I mean, how how much can you be a close friend with someone on Twitter? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that things can spawn from that. And I mean, I have made a, a, a you know a friend mm-hmm. uh, or two on Twitter that I've been like, yeah, man, one of these days we're gonna have to hang out. <laughs> but you know, but yes, I have found and met so many amazing minds on Twitter, like, and they just pose these amazing questions. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's this one guy I follow. His name is George Styles. Geo Styles Geo is his handle. G-E-O. Um, <laughs> and he just posts every day three or four really good questions. Um, like philosophical or like, you know, like, you know, just I can't even think of anything off the top of my head, but he's such a brilliant man. And 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 then it's a meeting of the minds. All these people mm-hmm. are inputting their ideas. Mm-hmm. And and he's just one of these people that I admire greatly because he's a great critical thinker. I like that. I like that too. And you know, you mentioned it. So it's social media. We're we're social creatures as human, right? Our yes. relationships with people, um, this is gonna influence our understanding of not only ourselves, but others in the world. I feel like your podcast story time with uh, Mike and Tom seems to feed into that socialization a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially when we have guests, um, uh, it is though, it's just a way. I, the reason we even started the podcast was it was right after the pandemic hit and we'd been talking about it for a while. It's like, wouldn't it be fun to do a podcast? And suddenly we had all this free time and, and isolation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, let's do it. And when we started, this is so, I don't even believe that we did this. <laughs> but when we started, we recorded two episodes every other night. And I, and I put out podcasts, hour long podcasts every day for a month. Oh my God. That's awesome. That's why my podcast is only like, um, I would say two and a half years old but mm-hmm. i've got 161 episodes is because we got a jump start <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah we we did the same a stoned in social was also started it's a pandemic baby mm-hmm. and we i was really committed to the once a week thing and the main reason was i'm a I'm, now i i'd say i'm an ambivert but I'm an extrovert. Like I love being around people. The bigger the crowd, the better it is for me. I'm a public speaker. And so for me, I'm, I just love crowds. I love people. And the isolation, I was like, oh, I need to like, I'm missing out on meeting new people through work. And so the podcast and guests and having, you know, guest hosts like you as well gave me a chance to feel like I was still meeting people and, and hanging out with people. There's people who I talk to every day on the internet through discord or reddit or whatever instagram twitter during the pandemic who like i haven't talked to in a year now because it was just during that time we were like all right like this socialization need needs to be fed and we we just committed to once a week i was like this is the only way i can keep track of time (laughs) right now (laughs) is if i know every week i've got to put this out on wednesdays and so it it helped me did you you feel like the cannabis and i would even say as someone who necessarily you kind of the opposite problem me you don't like crowds but you're you sound like a great people person so does the podcast and cannabis give you an opportunity to to like tickle that social itch of yours it does. And I am capable of being in public if I'm stoned. That's a big thing. Mm. That was why work was so hard. Oh, you can't go to work okay. stoned. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the thing is, I would have f- functioned just as well, if not better, work-wise, function-wise. I'm mm-hmm. very capable of being high and, and putting out high-level executive function stuff. Yes, because I've already got my I've already got my dopamine reward. I don't mm-hmm. need it. You know, but when I'm, you know, not still, I'm like, I'm just consciously always aware of all this stuff happening around me. Mm-hmm. So, and it also helps with, 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 with people who I'm with. If I'm with the right people, I could be in the middle of a stadium and I'd be fine. You know, it's all about, mm-hmm. it's all about, I guess, set setting and, and setting mm-hmm. and personalities, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do feel that. I don't know. Cannabis has helped me to uh, develop social skills. 
mm-hmm. over time that have given me sort of this ability to get along with anyone, conversate yes. with anyone, um, until they've shown themselves to be. Mm, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you're like, oh, you're not trying to actually like converse and learn and grow together. Even if we don't have the same views, you're just an asshole. Yeah. You just want to jam. <laughs> you just want to jam your your talking points oh, down yes. my throat. And yes, yes, yeah. And most of them you glean from some television channel or some <laughs> news outlet that's extremely biased. Oh, I'm in DC, so this is yeah. all the time. This is like every third person I talk to. <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You're on agenda now. Nah, nah, let's not waste each other's time. Like, yeah. go ahead, go on. Well, I love how with the advent of or the, the, the rise of COVID, how everyone became like a, 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 a medical expert all of a sudden. Oh, my God. So many medical degrees. <laughs> yeah. And then the Black Lives Matter stuff started happening and everyone was suddenly a constitutional yep. scholar as yep. well. Yep. Yep. They were like, well, an article this. I'm like, look, I can go downtown and read this right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how. I love it, though. I just love how, you know, I, I don't want to say like the lack of self-awareness, but sometimes it feels like that. It mm-hmm. felt like that during the pandemic where I was like, we have nothing else to do. So we're super hyper focused and hyper aware on these things. Things, so much so that now we've just thought, well, I've seen all of these reports. I know all the things. Yeah. Well, one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy is when I will, for example, be in a debate with someone and I will present evidence, right? Like a scholarly article. Facts. Something, yes, something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and the person will bounce back with do your own research. Oh, fuck off. Oh, yeah. I hate that. These, like, that's just a short way of saying, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry, I can't right. pull it out of my ass this quick. You'll know I sat and Googled this for six hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hate yeah. that. And the funny thing is, is that one of the most honest things you can say in a debate is, I don't know. I don't know. Yes. Yes. You will disarm the other person instantly. I am a mm-hmm. former captain debate team right here. And just say you don't know. Just say you don't know. It also helps to know your your fallacies. Mm-hmm. You know? And as a debate person, you certainly understand what I mean by that. When yep. when someone drops into a false equivalency and you can spot it and go, ah, no, yep. not put <laughs> that on me, you know. And then what always inevitably happens is once they've run out of bad arguments and bad faith stuff, they Insults. turn into – Yes, insults, and then they block mm-hmm. you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's equivalent. I always tell you, well, that's the equivalent of like sticking your fingers in your ears and going like, la, 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 la. That's what I view it as. Once you mm-hmm. once you block me, no one's, no one's going to – unless you're threatening me in some way, your words are not worthy of blocking. I'm not even going to give you the satisfaction. I like it more when I don't block people, and then I read their stuff, but I never respond. So it shows like, oh, Nat's reading this, but she gives no fucks. Like, I love that even more. Just drive that little knife in a little bit. <laughs> Occasionally, I will mute people because they're prolific mm, in their mm, responses. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I got 25, literally 25 notes from you in the last hour. <laughs> No, shut up, <laughs> mute, because yeah. you are yapping like a little dog and you're driving me crazy. That's other stuff to do. <laughs> I'm with you there. Did you pick up any, did you, I mean, podcasting, obviously. Was there anything else you picked up during the pandemic? Did you get into the bread baking? I know I keep asking people that because it seemed like everyone I know was trying to bring me loaves of bread. <laughs> really? No, I, I didn't. I didn't really change any of my hobbies at all. Um, I, I'm a pretty, you know, homey guy mm-hmm. in that, like, you know, I'm good with just being alone or just, you know, Jennifer and I, my wife, um, just just hanging out. And I don't really think that I changed anything. Like, I wasn't the bread guy. Um, I know a guy who, you know, posts his breads on a fairly <laughs> basis still <laughs> and they look delicious they look delicious the plant people did you have any plant people in your circle i had a lot one of my friends still has like 11 
plants. I think half of them are fake, but ah. the other half are super real. <laughs> and just people were exploding with plants in their homes. Well, I have a friend who um, she she has a full instead of a lawn, her her, her entire yard is just wildflowers. Oh, which I love. <gasps> in her backyard oh my Mm -hmm. god that must look so cool it's beautiful i've never been to her house but it's beautiful the pictures Mm -hmm. she showed me are beautiful Mm -hmm. and the birds and the hummingbirds (gasps) and the oh i didn't think about that yeah it's beautiful that's so cool so she's got her own little 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 garden of solitude did she do that during the the, did she do that during the pandemic I believe so. Yeah, I think that's uh, when she started. She had to put a fence up first in mm-hmm, order to, mm-hmm. because it, the city was like, ah, that's an eyesore. Of yeah, course. because everybody's <laughs> house or everybody's yard looking like a baseball diamond is what we want. Awesome. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we some you know some people in DC have yards. I guess that's what they're calling them. I just call it like the patch where people sit when they're waiting for the bus because that's pretty mm-hmm. much what it what it becomes with the wildflower idea that's i might steal that that seems like something i'd see on pinterest yeah yeah it's and it, you know like in, just in terms of like supporting local fauna mm-hmm. you know like 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 uh various pollinators that's mm-hmm. huge you know no one does that because there's so much wasted land yeah I, I was outside today and i was watching two of my neighbors mowing the lawn it is october what my, yeah, and the grass is not that long. I haven't mowed my grass in a month and a half, and it's like eh, I'd say maybe an inch and a half tall, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks nice. It's soft on your feet, you know. Yeah, it's 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 not that sh- little spiky, spiky. Needly, yeah, you can't you walk know. on that. Nope. And I that like hurts. To, and I like to plant my feet in the earth once in a while, you know, like reconnect mm-hmm. with the earth. Grounding. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't do that enough as, as a culture, just take our shoes and socks off and stand on the earth. Like Like, actually feeling it. I think that's why the beach is such a powerful experience Mm -hmm. because you you can't help it. You're barefoot. (laughs) You have to be barefoot. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to feel the water and the sand. And my favorite thing about the beach is you can feel the waves before they get to you. You can feel it Mm -hmm. rumbling. Um, Definitely agree there. There's something very amniotic about the ocean, especially when the water is warm. It's just, it's mm-hmm. like you're floating and it just brings back some kind of deep seated subconscious memory of being in the womb for me. Yes. Yes. I, I had a good playlist going. This is even before the pandemic. I'm one of those people who is a white noise person. Mm-hmm. So I had made my own track of like heart beating ocean where it was like a kind of like a binaural beat and an ocean. Cause I love the sound of waves. I used to live very close to the beach. I could hear it from my bedroom window. And so I love hearing the water and that used to put me to sleep like instantly mm-hmm. um and a waterbed so it was like very very like being in a little space pod for me yeah. or the womb <laughs> do you like rain i love rain yeah i am i'm a huge rain person like like light rain, rain for the last couple of days it's a little cold but mm-hmm. rain for the last couple of days and i'm just out there staring at it <laughs> i just love it i love it so much <laughs> I was out there too. We got, I'm pretty sure we got the same rain because I'm in DC. So all this weekend, you know, I had plans and people were like, are you going to cancel because it's raining? And I was like, no, like, no, I'm cool with this. And it wasn't heavy rain, which I like. I appreciate the light rain because that I can sit in that I'm, I'm perfectly happy to, to be out in. It's not an inconvenience for me. Mm-hmm. I, I love the heavy rain, but I have to be in a safe place if I'm in mm-hmm. my car if I'm oh, in my geez. car, I'm pulling over. You yeah. know, I'm done. I don't care what, how late I am. I am not risking my life. Not the way other people drive. No, no. You will see people going 85 miles an hour in that. And, and I, I used know. to work in traffic safety. So I'm, I'm oh, very. I bet you saw some shit. Oh my God. Yes. Well, yeah. I used to read crash reports every day. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. No, it no. screwed me up. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And no, but it's smart though. This smart. There's no, there's no reason to do that. Um, 
Now, before we start wrapping up here, Tom, mm-hmm. I know we, I love these tangents. I know our listeners love these tangents. <laughs> um, I was just going to talk about, um, you know, making sure that if you are a veteran like Tom or, you know, a veteran, it's important that you talk to them and you try to keep an eye out for them because we were talking about not everyone being as well educated on mental health challenges or symptoms as others are. Um, so you really want to try and, and look out for that. I, I read that it's estimated that millions of people right now in the U.S. were all currently self-medicating with cannabis for a variety of reasons. So um, I'm always looking for the 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 FDA approved clinical trials and things like that. Are you keeping up with, with those things as well? The grant programs and things, Tom? A little bit. I follow mm-hmm. a couple of, uh, of things. I, I follow normal, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I also follow a group called MAPS, which is oh, multiple. Yeah. yeah you're mm-hmm. aware of it. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Multiple disciplinary uh, association for psychedelic studies. Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. always putting out this amazing information. Um, I really think that the prohibition is, is preventing people from getting well because there are Absolutely. definite benefits to Ibogaine yep. to, to um, um, Molly. I'm forgetting the mm-hmm, name of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, uh, MDMA uh, to um, to mushrooms. There's all kinds ketamine. of things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting you brought up maps because they. I don't know if you saw, but they recently entered into an agreement. They're going to do a second FDA approved clinical trial. They got awarded like 13 million dollars oh. um, from the state of Michigan's like. 2021 veteran marijuana research grant program. So I like that this program I read is going to design, it's designed to evaluate the, the efficacy of marijuana in treating the medical conditions of specifically U.S. armed service veterans and preventing the veteran suicide. So I'm really happy that they, they got this grant and that they're going to do this because I think we really need to change the culture of the institution that's preventing those who could benefit from medical cannabis from the top down. Like it's gotta be from the top down. I agree. Well, I'll tell you that when I was in, and I don't know if this is the case now, but there was a lot of toxic masculinity Mm. um, and a lot of false bravado Mm -hmm. and stoicism for the sake of stoicism to where you didn't really talk about your problems. You had to keep them under your hat or mm-hmm. or you know or or you'd be ridiculed and and you wouldn't make promotions they'd be like that guy's not okay well, you know yeah oh that's awful I, yeah and i don't know if that is the case anymore i'm i i i don't know how military culture is these days at all but mm-hmm. it it would ex- it, you know a lot of old military people or or like ex military still carry that especially lifers Mm. carry that with them and i'll give you an example my father is a vietnam vet Mm. he Mm -hmm. will not talk about the war at all will not speak of it one bit does not believe ptsd is a real thing oh and i don't know how to reach him on that topic Mm. but that's how deep that that programming Mm -hmm. goes you know and it's his generation too you know, 75. So, yeah, I have uncles like that who also just don't, you know, they've said things like, oh, these soldiers are soft nowadays. I'm like, no, I think you guys just drank, you know, you guys drank your problems away. I have lots of, lots of former, uh, servicemen in my family who have, you know, uh, problems with addictions because they're self-medicating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like, again, you know, we say set and setting, I feel like all these, you know, not just cannabis, but all these drugs, DMT, ayahuasca, all of them have an appropriate set and setting. And if they're respected and if they're overseen by a mm-hmm. uh, certified or qu- qualified professional or shaman in some cases, then they can facilitate that that process and actually make a difference in the person's experience. Whereas mm-hmm. if, you, if you go to, you know, a Disney world, Ohio mushrooms, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. might not, but you know, most <laughs> <chances>. people. Yeah. 
I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> All this is yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Tom, I love this. I love the information you shared with us. I'm going to pivot a little bit and I'm going to ask you about Munchie of the Week. I need to know what you're snacking on. What's your go-to Munchie or something you've, you're have you newly just like all about? I don't know if you get in those phases where you're just uh, yeah. like this snack. I'm, I'm on it for like a month. Well, okay, so... I have two answers for you. The most direct answer is my sister-in-law stayed with us last week and we bought some groceries and she bought this big, big bag of uh, s'mores cereal, the generic kind. Mm -hmm. And I am just loving that stuff. So we went and bought another bag because we, we tore through <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I also uh, have one of those box deals you know you get the monthly box oh it's, yeah it's called uh -huh. um, uh what the heck is it i think it's called international yums oh yeah or we universal yums yeah we had them for a season they're good mm, you get all kinds of interesting stuff like we just got stuff from south korea and it was mm -hmm. like one of the most interesting things it was a packet of ramen with a that was sort of already pre i don't know if it was pre-cooked or what but it was like this box bag of ramen and a spice thing and you crushed it up real good and then you poured the spice in and you shook it up and it was like oh yeah this delicious snack <laughs> so uh yeah so some sometimes you know i like to chow down on that stuff and the really good stuff i'll buy more of so uh those are my munchies i like those munchies i like those munchies i might try tell me about the cereal again what flavor is this s'mores s'mores okay yeah s'mores. So you can, Ooh, i like that you can you can find it in the generic section of the grocery store for sure some version of it um and it's just little white marshmallows little brown chocolatey bits and like flakes uh that are like like kind of like graham cracker mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and they just pour some milk on that let it sit for a couple minutes to soften up you know i'll go out have a cigarette come back in eat my cereal and it's just so so good i'm very glad that you said that there's a big difference between people who won't let their cereal get soggy and then people who like just are like they know that level they're like i got a couple minutes i come yeah. back to this yeah the little patience because mm -hmm. honestly otherwise you're just cutting your mouth to shreds like like yes crunch berries nah that's crunch berries no no, and don't and don't forget that you've had some scratchy ass cereal on the top of your roof of your mouth and then have like lemonade or something later. <laughs> it's just the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I like these munchies. I may try the cereal. I have seen a few s'more things and I feel like it's fitting within the season. Mm -hmm. So I may I may get on the s'more things. Now, before we wrap up, Tom, I've got one more game for you. Okay. It's called Conspiracy Theory of the Week. And ah, yes. <laughs> We're looking forward to this. This is a conspiracy theory that I, I try to look up ones that I haven't heard of because I'm just, I love learning about them. I think they're interesting. So this is a recent conspiracy theory about Disney, I'm sorry, Pixar's movie, Finding Nemo. Um, I don't know if you've seen this movie. Uh, but, I have not. I've seen bits okay. and pieces of it. Okay. It's a 2003 Pixar movie. It's got, it had a great cast. It had Albert Brooks, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Alexander Gould, William Defoe. The story features Marlin, who is a clownfish embarking on a journey to locate his missing son, Nemo. The movie was just, it was, a. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of it. It was a super hit. Like everyone. Oh loved yeah. It. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. I just, often don't watch those movies uh i i, I <laughs> you weren't some missing sort of, much it's so, some sort of weird backwards elitist mentality that i have like everyone likes this so i'll hate it <laughs> oh gosh yeah i find myself doing that with some things not that i mean to but i try and then i'm like nah this isn't for me i at least try um yeah so yeah th this is the story it's a pixar film it's it's for kids right so there's a apparently a theory going around 
which connects uh there's there's also like a huge pixar shared universe theory that connects mm. all existing pixar installments into one combined world and, and, and a fairly creepy one at that yes yes i was like who has time for this um <laughs> but finding nemo there were there were some there were some cons- some conspiracy theories linked to this kids movie and so what i found out was that um people thought that maybe the father marlin hadn't really gotten his son um because the film is predominantly set under the sea they think it's supposed to showcase the tragic loss in the eyes of a husband and a father and they say that nemo didn't actually exist and he's a figment of marlin's imagination because the name nemo translates to no one or nobody in latin wow (laughs) and then the movie would translate to finding no one um like yeah they were saying that basically um in the in the movie uh they were saying like okay what if he went to go to the the eggs because he's like saving the eggs of these fish and what if really he wasn't able to save them instead the eggs were destroyed and this is the way he's coping with the loss of his family hmm it's very uh sort of fight clubby <laughs> You know, like, yes, yes, sort of like, who is Nemo? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, who is Nemo? And they've they've also laid out like the five stages of grief within the movie. Um, I just love that people went this far with what what is just a kind of I mean, yeah, it's it's like they're on a journey and there's danger. But, you know, it's it's a Pixar film. Nothing bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And people were like, let's make it the darkest timeline, though. (laughs) What if we did that instead? On one hand, it could simply be uh, some very uh, sort of divisive like writer or group of writers who are like, Mm -hmm. let's just insert this little intellectual Trojan horse into this children's movie. But I and usually, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I like when I've seen that happen where you see things and later they're like, yeah, we just added that in. Um, and like, it's an Easter egg sort of thing. Right. Although I am a fan of Occam's Razor. And mm. I think that the most likely explanation is simply that sub- there's these tropes and these archetypes in all of our minds as a culture, you know, the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. And these things almost write themselves to a certain degree. You know, there's only so many stories you can tell. Joseph Mm -hmm. Campbell talks about that in the monomyth. You know, there's only so many stories that the human race has Mm -hmm. when it comes Mm -hmm. right down to it. And every story is some deviation of that basic premise, that formula, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Finding Nemo, yeah, maybe it is a meditation on loss, but maybe not by design. <laughs> mm-hmm. More by like the way that when you look at a horoscope, you go, yeah, a lot of stuff there overlaps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, I like that way of thinking about it. I didn't even that didn't even occur to me. I was just like, yes, conspiracy theory. But yeah, I like that. I'm in the agreement that we only right now, at least until we get some some boost in our mental technology. This is it. These are all the stories we have. We're going to keep retelling them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why when even great stories get remade into movies, we're like, oh, we've seen this before, but they did it in a different way. I think it's just about putting your own unique spin on it so hopefully that's not what nemo is about yeah i i don't know if you've ever heard the movie heard of the movie enter the void mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that is an example to me of like all right we have nothing new to say let's say it in a way no one said it before mm-hmm. that movie is singular in that i have never seen anything done like it i've definitely seen meditations on the idea of what afterlife is like and that sort mm-hmm. of thing but I've never seen it presented in such a raw and visceral way as I did with that film. Yes. And it, it is on my shelf in terms of like top level. I got to show this off that I have mm, it in mm-hmm. my home when you come visit kind of a thing. Like yeah. this is part of my 
This is part of my collection. collection. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like that. I like that. It was a good film. It was a good film. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. I had so much fun sitting and chatting with you. And thank you for sharing with our stoner lights. Can you tell us where we can find you on the web, follow you, bug you, listen to your podcast? Absolutely. So uh, the uh, main place to go if you want to find my stuff is TomAndMike.com. Uh, from that in the about page and the various other pages, you can find links to my podcast, which is Storytime with Tom and Mike. Podbean. Uh, to uh, my uncancelled podcast as well, which is RSS. slash podcast slash uncancelled podcast. And finally, you can find a link to my Twitter, which is at Storytime Tom One, and that's the number one. And we will put links to all of that in the description. We know you're going to forget it, but we're not going to let you forget it. We're going to put it in links. So all you need to do is go and click the button. You can also follow us on the web. We are always on Instagram at Stoned and Social. We are also over at the Digital Crib at www.stonedandsocial.com. Send us your memes, your munchies, or any topics you want us to cover. Uh, we will be here same place, same time next week. Don't forget, namaste stone guys. Bye.